The following message is not endorsed by whoever would normally be responsible for endorsing messages like the message that follows. Hello, Canada. I know what you're thinking. Oh no, not this again. Ukulele is the secret weapon of modern advertising. It's auditory warm fuzzies, and you just can't help but feel positive about any message that accompanies it. So, come along quietly. Yes, your primitive instincts are keenly aware that the wide fences that once stood in the far distance now seem to be moving ever closer, funneling you toward one preordained destination. But how soon will it be until you take comfort in the fact that the subtle manipulation is all for your own good? Because we're just leading you somewhere you really should have been going all along, had you only known. Well, hopefully right now. You're a good person, working hard to make the public service a better place each day. But look down. Is that a tricycle you're pedaling? In the slow lane? In the wrong direction? It's time to switch vehicles. While you agonize about designing and leading that new project you've been assigned, despite never having done one before, someone else has already found an existing prototype on GCpedia and they've already started adapting it as their own model. And while you're trying to figure out where to host that new community of practice that you've been tasked with starting, someone else is already corralling a group of experts publicly on gccollab.ca. The GC Tools. Free to sign up, free to use. No, you really have no choice. Use them today. No, really, today. Seriously, before close of business. The clerk even said so, right? In that speech? Warning, using the GC tools may increase appetite to collaborate, influence learning, and increase your professional network. Should you experience any of these highly desirable symptoms, please tell as many people as possible immediately and consider becoming a GC tools ambassador. Hey there, this is George Wenzel. You're listening to Toddcast on WGOC. This episode of Toddcast is not sponsored. For information on supporting the podcast or sponsoring an episode, you can email me at todd at toddlines.ca. I'm Todd Lyons, and this is Toddcast Season 4, Episode 11, a show for and about public servants. Are you one of those people that uses the sleep button on your alarm clock? Actually, I guess the first question is, are you one of those people that even uses an alarm clock anymore? I was, and am. I don't know why, but the best cure for my insomnia has always been a soothing voice on CBC talking about absolutely anything. And that's not to say that CBC is boring, but it's been a comfort to me my whole life. I love the experience of being wrapped in the warmth of a human voice. But sometimes, on certain nights of the week, the programming just isn't giving me that. So recently I found myself branching out into podcasts. The first one I tried was called Sleep With Me, the podcast that puts you to sleep by Drew Ackerman. But, you know, we just didn't click. 
I don't like his voice and I found him to be boring but not soothing. In fact, my irritation that it wasn't soothing actually kept me awake for a while as I sampled half a dozen shows, hoping to find a better one. But no luck. You know what did work? Malcolm Gladwell. Not a classic radio voice, certainly, but the words he uses, the meter of his writing, it was magic. Honorable mention to Shankar Vedantam for the same reasons. Then, as an experiment... Gosh, this is embarrassing to admit. I tried listening to one of my own shows, which was just profoundly unsettling at first. Me talking to me. It's weird enough to do while I'm producing the show, but once I got to the guest segment of certain episodes, it did work. That experience of comfort that comes from witnessing a simple connection between two people. This episode is one of those kinds of episodes. It's a completely spontaneous exchange. No prepared questions, very little editing. The sort of chat you might hear if we were seated at a table next to you. Just two people talking about life outside of work. I think this chat is perfectly safe for daytime consumption, but I'm giving you explicit permission to listen to it at bedtime along with any of the other personal exchanges that I've been fortunate enough to engage in over the course of this series. So, if it's daytime, enjoy. But if 1am has come and gone, I invite you to take some guilt-free comfort, feel relaxed, learn something about a person you just met, and I hope you get a good night's sleep. I can't tell you how many times I've listened to Malcolm Gladwell talk about french fries, and he gets me every time. Ladies and gentlemen, my dear colleague, Lily Speck. How long have you been singing? Oh, um, if you ask my family, since like the moment of my birth, my sister can't stand the sound of me singing. If we're in the car together and she hears me singing, she will like threaten to pull the car over, essentially the same as you would threaten kids if they're fighting in the backseat. That's how my sister reacts to singing. But uh, yeah, I've been singing since a small age. I sang in children's choirs. I played flute after that. And then I took a break in university because I had no time. And would just sing uh, to other people in residence in dark bathrooms. I made them turn out the light. I refused to sing in front of them while the lights were on. But if the lights were off, totally fine. And then when I moved uh, to Kingston for my master's, I joined the Ottawa Choral or the Kingston Choral Society after I finished up, uh, and then moved to Ottawa. Did the same thing, but singing in German and Latin gets kind of old. So, so I didn't do that um, forever. I looked for other choirs. I tried build Big Soul Project. And then I heard about um, Harmonic Generation, which is a local a cappella group. About 16 people, mixed, all ages kind of thing, um, and male and female. And I love it. And I've been doing that for four years. How long has that group been around for? We just celebrated our 10th anniversary on uh, March 3rd. How's the turnover work there? Like, are they a set size or is it flexible? Um, we max out at uh, 16. You might appreciate why. We only have 16 microphones. Um, they so, can be expensive. Yeah, they're very expensive. We're still working on wires, too, so it uh, makes choreography fun. But uh, we max out at 16. We try and keep the sections balanced. Um, when we can, we love to have uh, someone who's capable of doing vocal percussion, which I am not. But yeah, we have new members come in whenever someone moves away. Sometimes people take a break when they have a child. Um, So we always have new blood coming in. It's really interesting to see how those people integrate and sort of become part of the family. And how did you become part of the family? Like, did they advertise, like, uh, open auditions, or did you 
kind of find these people and you were just sort of waiting, 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 you know, for your chance to... I, uh, I, <laughs> I kind of came into the group in like a slightly creepy fashion. So um, I had heard about the group online. They do open auditions every September, rent out a room in the base of the public library and listen to anybody who wants to come and audition. I heard um, about this event that happens in Ottawa called Casual Choir. So people show up to a bar, they learn a piece together for the night, and then they sing it. It's based on choir, choir, choir in Toronto. So the first night that I went to see that, the first night that they did it in Ottawa, they did Umbrella by Rihanna. And Harmonic Generation happened to have also come Uh to this because they love singing. So they wanted to be there. Mm -hmm. So I happened to be sitting quite close to them and got to sort of like listen in. And after the event proper wrapped up, they started singing together like in a circular booth. Everything from like True Colors to Barrett's Privateers, like really solid Newfoundland drinking song or Nova Scotia drinking song. So... Yeah, I sort of like sidled up. And when one of their sopranos moved away, I got a call that they were looking again. And so I auditioned. And how long did that take to get the yes? Not, not like what we do in the public service here where, you know, you, you apply and then six months later, maybe, you know, you write a test. And then six months after that, maybe the interview. It's more of like a free agent timeline. <laughs> we, uh, I they, love it already. Yeah, it's fantastic. So they get back to you quite quickly. And... Not unlike free agents are really looking for like the right kind of fit to see if you'll get along with everyone else in the group. Yeah. Um, so they invite you to come to a rehearsal, sight sing some pieces, um, and see if it fits you. So we've had some people over the years who have come to like one night with us, and then off into the night we never see them again. Um, and others who stay for years. There's a few members who have been around for the full ten years. How do you come up with the material? How how is the organization sort of managed? Is it an autonomous collective? Is it a dictatorship? Uh, Uh, We have a musical director, uh, Paul Jay. So he um, does a lot of the arranging for the group. So our sound is often very influenced by his arrangements. Mm. He's a really big fan of uh, some of the European acapella groups like Real Group, Riotan. We have a few other arrangers in the group, uh, one of whom is Janet Lowe and another is Derek Chenoweth. So they've done a lot of arrangements as well. And they uh, tend to... Uh, air towards the more contemporary stuff. So Coldplay, um, Sweater Weather, all kinds of things like that. So not a lot of German and Latin? Blissfully no <laughs> German and Latin. Um, we did sing a, uh, a French nursery rhyme last year, which was uh, uh, low on my list of the group's favorites. But uh, we do do um, some stuff that actually comes from movies and whatnot. So we did Bella's finale from the Pitch Perfect movie most recently and we try and incorporate um, some new things as well recently we partnered with a group called Weeby uh, which is the longest running acapella group in Canada I believe continuously running from York University and one of their arrangers put together a version of You Will Be Found from Dear Evan Hansen which is a a musical that's on right now on Broadway that sort of um, visits what it's like to deal with suicide for young adults and how often does the material change over Um, We have an ever-expanding repertoire, but it kind of depends on uh, when we can get new arrangements. So sometimes we pull them in from arrangers like Deke Sharon, who's known as sort of the godfather of acapella, very influential in terms of bringing the Pitch Perfect movies um, and sing-off, things like that, to television. Um, We tend to add usually three to five new pieces a year, sometimes more, sometimes less, depending if we get asked to perform at a particular gig like a wedding. And is there a particular schedule? Do you do a certain amount of gigs per year, or it's just by interest? We usually do a Christmas show, either by ourselves or partnering with another group in Ottawa, whether that's another singing group or a band. And then we usually do a June show. 
This year we had a Christmas show, a March show to celebrate our 10th anniversary, and we just had a show in Stittsville on the weekend. And then sometimes intermittent gigs where we do part of the group will perform or a quartet or a quintet from the group will perform at a wedding or at a party or those types of things. So what kind of interesting people are part of your, like, career-wise, age-wise, what sort of what sort of variability, or is it just all kinds of people with just a common love for singing? Actually, I think it's all kinds of people with a common love for singing. So there are a few Gavis, because we're in Ottawa, so some government folks. We have uh, a tech lawyer, we have uh, someone who works as a contractor, a few teachers, our musical director recently retired, but he used to own a coffee shop out in Stittsville. So there's, there's folks from all different backgrounds. Tell me some stories about some of your performances. This can be things that were just, just I don't know, the highlight of your life. It went so incredibly well, and you were proud, and you felt like, like you were glowing. And things that did not go so well. One of the pieces we perform is uh, an arrangement the Daft Punk medley by Pentatonic. So it's very electronic sounding. It's really fun. It has parts where your voice gets to sound kind of digital. Um, <laughs> and it's my favorite. Hands down, I love it the most of any piece we do. Um, and that excitement and affection for the piece sometimes gets the w- in the way of me actually um, carrying out my duties um, as part of the group. So we each usually provide an introduction for our songs to give the audience a flavor of who each of the members are, but also why we chose the song, what it means to us, or what's special about it. I got so excited about introducing the Daft Punk medley a few years ago that I skipped a few other songs and stepped forward to introduce it way sooner than it was time. So <laughs> nothing. the last thing I ever want to hear is Lily in a deep voice coming from the back row as Paul notes that, no, Lily, it's not time for Daft Punk medley yet. So uh, that was a bit of an awkward one, definitely. Uh, and I never hear the end of it. So, But in terms of, uh, I think, the most like glowing performances, we had uh, the guest group this past concert in getting to perform with a group that um, has very different repertoire than us, like way more contemporary mm-hmm. Getting to do that was amazing. We got to do a song called Feel It Still, and I did a a joint solo on it with the arranger, and it was phenomenal. It's a really super weird song. In the original, it's a guy in like male falsetto the whole time. So it's very cool to try those things out, and I think it was probably the highlight of my time with the the group so far. So to be able to perform at this level, how much of that, how much personal time does it take you to be learning the material, to be keeping your voice fluid, and to be ready to go out and deliver when it's performance time? A fair amount of time. Um, I struggle a great deal with memorization of lyrics. It's been a problem since back in the the university singing in dark bathroom stage where I would start to sing uh, um, Close Every Door from uh, Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat and look to my roommate and say, Ashley, how does this one start? She would say, we have sung this over a hundred times. Like, how is it possible you don't remember how it starts? But I struggle with that a lot. So I spend a lot of time at home uh, writing out lyrics to songs. There are little pieces of paper everywhere with lyrics on them all over my apartment and anywhere I go, really. Um, But as a group, we get together for two hours once a week out in Bell's Corners to practice. You're expected to put in two hours, give or take, of your own time as well each week. Uh, When we take on new repertoire especially around Christmas time for new members, mm-hmm. the learning burden is huge. There is so much to pick up so quickly. Um, we also 
before a show, do a full day mic retreat where we work together on mics. We usually bring in a professional either to show us how to beatbox, how to blend together better. But that's a whole day. Uh, and by the end of it, you are exhausted, like totally spent. Your voice is a little scratchy. So we just had a show. My voice is just starting to come back to normal now. And I chose to come talk for, for some time in a room with you. And I appreciate it. How do you go from being a person that's afraid to sing except in a dark bathroom to being a person that's out on a stage under bright lights and lots of people with all of their attention focused right on you? Because that seems like a really big leap. Yeah, it's a huge leap. I think you just in love music enough that it's worth getting out there and trying there's something about sharing music with other people and the bond you get to have when you sing with others that gives you a little bit of courage. I started out in the group four years ago, was too terrified to ever touch a solo. I had my first one last June. And even that time, I had been performing with the group for a few years and I thought I was going to puke before I went up to sing. And I look back at the video and I look like a totally well-adjusted human being, but it was not how I felt before I went up there. So I think some of it is just showing your energy, getting really into it, and kind of faking it until you make it. I've been told exactly the same thing about a, a webcast that I did once for Canada School of Public Service, where people came up to me afterwards and congratulated me and said, that was great, and that's one of the funnest things that I've seen in years. And I'm like, I was terrified every second and was doing I my... I blacked out. I don't even remember. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost that bad. Yeah. Would you say that you're... I don't know. What do you like when you're not at work and you're not singing? I recently uh, started biking to work again. It's a short ride, but it feels invigorating to feel the wind on your face and to be out with my ridiculous uh, yellow ladybug bell on the bike. That makes me really happy. If I get really angry about things in life, I, I like to run it out. I used to hate running. Running made me angry, but I find if I start out angry, then it just like sort of melts away. But I would say uh, outside of... Work, I love writing, I love reading, I love learning about technology and trying to fix things, which does translate really well to the office. I end up being the de facto IT person in any office I join as a free agent. So just lifelong learning, trying to pick things up and try them out. In the last couple of years, I've actually, um, it's on the acapella topic, but I went to camp as an adult. They hold a, a camp for people who love acapella in Dayton, Ohio. I had and no idea. People of all ages. There are people who are in their 80s at camp, and there's people who are in their teen years. So it's really amazing to go to any community that has people who adore it and are willing to travel for it and find sort of your people, your tribe, which is lovely. And it changes throughout your life, and it changes based on what you love and what you're learning. So so do you foresee an end point of this, or are you going to be one of those 80-year-olds that's still doing acapella and still doing stage performing because you just love music. I don't know if I could go on tour is that that'd be great and like finish up with the federal public service late in my life and then go on the road. But um, yeah, I think as long as my voice holds out, I'd love to keep singing. So it really, really makes me happy. So what brought you to the public service and what's keeping you here? And is it not necessarily a permanent thing, but maybe just a stop along the way for you? Uh, I'm one of those perhaps a rare individuals who has wanted to work in government since I was little, taking all kinds of politics classes and volunteering. That is interesting. Model UN. not that person at all. <laughs> no, I, I don't think that it's a, it's a thing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm an aberration. But I've wanted to work in government and like serve Canadians and people around me for as long as I can remember. Um, 
I took a break after my undergraduate degree in public affairs and policy management. Very sensible. Uh, yeah. Uh, to go to Japan, travel around Canada, and then I really found that I wanted to come back to government and work in that sphere. So I did a master's, went to work for the Ontario Ministry of Health and Long-Term Care. But then the lure of an indeterminate federal job pulled me uh, to the feds. And I would say, honestly, I hated my first job. I spent the first six months trying to find another job. And there have definitely been really tough points in my career. I've had some amazing people um, help lift me up into other positions. And I think I finally really found my niche when I moved into a blueprint team at Environment and Climate Change Canada. And then when it became clear there was no opportunity to stay there, they didn't have a box, uh, that's when I decided to apply to free agents. It's a good gig. It's a Um, damn good gig. I, for the same reason, I appreciate the lure of of indeterminate work with such a great employer, but haven't necessarily appreciated each of the jobs that I had earlier on in my career until, yes, until relatively recently being a free agent. And it's really not even about money because I think at most levels we're pretty darn well compensated and and the benefits are good. But there is something very limiting about most of the jobs that I've had where I also did not see that there were a lot of opportunities either to to raise up at a higher level or just, I don't know, to be able to, to exercise all the different things that I have to offer that I suppose Canada should be benefiting from because they there is an awful long process to get into the service they should at least squeeze every last drop of, of uh, all the different assets that we have as individuals, you know, once they have us working this position. So what are you able to do now? Tell me about your freedom now as a free agent that you didn't have prior. I would say that free agency grants me the freedom to take all the passion that I was pouring into side of desk projects and put it like front and center in my workplace. Um, I see all over the public service, people want to do more. They want to like give up themselves, of their time. Um, and now I get to handpick projects that I'm passionate about. And I think it's just a game changer. When you go into work feeling clear-headed and excited about what you're going to do, about the people that you work with, and know that if something comes up and that changes, you can move, you can find something new to do. I think it um, lets you, (laughs) it's going to sound really cheesy and kind of creepy, but it lets you sort of like sample from the salad bar of the federal government. Like you can like try a little, little bacon on top of it. You can go to IRCC for a bit. You can go to your home department of Enercan for a bit if you want. You can try anything and everything, find the cultures that you really love, find your people, um, and also get outside your comfort zone. I don't think in many previous positions I was ever encouraged to get out there and try new things, learn new things. And a lot of the things that I love to do, like work in social media, happen very side of desk and very much learning on the job. And I really appreciate the fact that that's valued. How about you? I really like my gig. I guess as I, I unloaded a recent meeting that I had with my peers, I was sort of at a point where I really didn't know whether or not I was cut out for this work. Not that I'm not capable of it, but more that... I really want to love what I'm doing, and I really want to love where I am. And for a time uh, in my career, I was at a point where I had almost uh, given up the possibility, the thought that that I would really have passion for what I did, and was putting an awful lot of my spare brain cycles, you know, after the primary job is done, into putting my time and thought into to little side projects, desk projects, things that actually did make me excited to to be alive every day. 
I'm so thankful that free agents exists, that there's a place for people like me and like you. There must be a lot of other people out there. Makes me wonder how realistic it is to grow this program. And I know neither of us really have the ability to make that call. We're now, I guess, as of the time that we're recording this, we're in three different departments. Mm-hmm. Should we grow to the point of, uh, you know, a free agent division in, in each department in, in uh, across the public service? I, I don't know. I think that as we grow, we learn about um, who's looking for that flexibility, who wants to do project-based work. I think uh, the success of free agents really does depend on there being indeterminate and more permanent teams that we can come join, mm-hmm. people who have the expertise, people who we can um, amplify, raise up, help energize. Most of the teams that I join are doing great things. They just want more help. They want somebody to come in and ask the questions that maybe they've been asking for years, but with a different kind of spin. And I think there's room for a lot more of us in the federal government. Maybe the program will grow and shift and change over time. Uh, Maybe it won't look like what it looks like now. And I think that's some of the beauty of free agents is that we're willing to iterate, change, keep building the plane as we're flying it. I know some people, I tell them about what I do and the sort of change cycles that I undergo just as a matter of process. And they're horrified because they really, that is not the sort of career that they're after. They like to to develop sort of an expertise in a field. And, you know, that's what they do. They're the sort of the center of knowledge. They're, they're in something that they love and they, they wouldn't want to be in a position where, yeah, well, your 12 months are up and uh, now it's go off and find another position and go do that and learn that from the ground up, you know, mm-hmm. until you... <laughs> Sort of, you're just starting to get comfortable and you've got a deliverable and, and things are, are, are stable. And then, bang, the whole thing stops and repeats all over again, you know, hitting the ground running at some other department with some other project. It's true. It's not for everyone. Some of what might make us feel energized and feel alive and excited about life might terrify and induce panic for many others. So uh, I think for my part, I'm terrified of stagnating. But if you're not someone who finds that happens within a role, then like power to you. Stay in your role. Become a great expert that other people can draw from and do that. Like There's no, no shame in being what you are and finding out what that is and loving what you do, no matter what it is. So circling back to something you said earlier, you, you made a suggestion that maybe there's something beyond the public service. But then you also said that you were one of those people that thought from a very early age that you wanted to be in the public service. So are you staying or are you going? Are you sort of on the fence? I'm staying. (laughs) Now that I'm a free agent, I'm definitely (laughs) staying. Um, I think maybe partly as a result of the fact that I really wanted to serve Canadians or serve my my fellow citizens, I, I didn't seriously start looking outside the public service. I really didn't want to give up on the federal government, hmm. despite the fact that I'd had many positions where I felt like the government definitely gave up on me. Um, so I, I do want to stay. I love it here now that I get to choose and move around and help impact other people's lives. It, it's been a game changer and everything is different now from what it was when I deployed into a position and for better or worse, stayed there for quite a long time and with no real exit strategy. Um, so I, th- I like having the built-in opportunity to move and try other things. I'm not sure it would be for everyone, but it's definitely for me. And I think that for many people who really do want to do great things for the people we serve, but who felt like they were constrained by 
the way the federal government works, that free agency has given them a renewed lease on working with the federal government. It is a good model if you're that sort of person. Yes. I'm glad that there is um, an emerging role for people that, that are that sort of person that sort of thrive on chaos, I guess, for lack of a better term. I really think that the best way for for Canada to get its money's worth out of me is to constantly put me in a position where I am on my toes and I am sort of looking all around me, just taking in the view and figuring out, you know, where do we go from here? That that does have a little bit of stress in the beginning of the process and maybe a bit of stress at the end of the process where I'm trying to wrap things up because I know that, okay, well, you're just about the point where you have to change and go do something else. But for that middle part, they're getting so much value out of me that otherwise would have been the case. I sort of feel like I was probably very maddening for some of my other managers to try to figure out what to do with me because I came in with such promise and I did really excellent work. And then it's like I started to kind of fade away and and just didn't have the same zeal as, as I did earlier. And they're thinking, well, okay, what is happening with this person? But that's just the nature of me and I guess people like me. Have you been confusing or disappointing to uh, some of your managers? I'm positive that I have <laughs> definitely been confusing or disappointing to some of my, man- my managers, and especially in areas where there's an accepted way of doing things. It's been done that way for a long time. When I start questioning things and asking about, how about, how about we try this way? Or this new technology exists, why don't we try that? Or we could increase the accessibility of this by adding this one element. People are like, Lily, like, yeah. hold your horses. Like, yeah. Calm down. We don't need to fix everything. It's like, but we could just tweak this one little piece. And some people are really not interested in hearing that kind of feedback. Um, I actually think in the case you're talking about um, how you have value, like dead center in the middle between the beginning and the end of your assignments. But I think there's huge value to having people who are new to the process, to the product or the process uh, like, that you're working through and asking questions about it, figuring out if there's a reason to continue doing things the way we did it. So when you're in the process of learning, you're also asking other people to review the things that they do as a matter of course, testing those things, seeing if they still even make sense. That's true. It's a beautiful thing to be able to come in and ask a ton of questions and you have the license to do so because you're trying to learn about what you're working on and then having that chance to really interact to find out what people who have been working on it for years, what they think are the weaknesses, where they think there are opportunities for change. Um, And sometimes having a free agent around means that we may not be saying anything different, but that people who are on the team feel they have the license to continue to ask those questions because someone else has asked them as well, which is beautiful to see. It's nice to see the the people around you empowered to do what they have been trying to do um, and finally having them feel heard. Any final thoughts? I would say um, for anyone who's listening that it doesn't matter if free agency isn't for you, if it's not the type of thing you would want to do. There are so many different ways that you can take the reins with your career, try and figure out where you feel comfortable, where you feel right. And if you are not comfortable and you're really unhappy, start talking to people about the things that do make you happy, the things that you're really passionate about. And eventually you will find people who will connect you with others who you might end up working with at some point. Um, I would say prior to free agents, the greatest strength in my career has been the network I've built through uh, programs like Policy Analyst Recruitment Development at NRCAN, Youth Networks, uh, Blueprint 2020. And you can build those networks no matter what kind of job you're in. Get out there, talk to people. If you feel miserable in your day job, talk about the things that you love and you want to learn more about. And 
those networks will serve you amazingly well. And the network that I've joined as a free agent has started to become my family, and I really appreciate that. And I think you can find your family no matter where you are in the federal government. There's a lot to be said about seeing what's out there beyond yourself, talking to other people, you know, exploring to see what possibilities are out there. I think it's like Nancy says, like, the water's fine, like, come on in. And I think that it's not just for free agency, it's anything. Like, if you want to try something, try it. Like, who knows what will happen until you give it a go. For sure. And it might be four years later or so that (laughs) you're still doing it because you loved it and other people loved it too once you put it out there. Thanks so much for coming in to talk with me today. It was my pleasure. Thank you for having me, Todd. You've been listening to Toddcast Season 4, Episode 11. All opinions expressed on Toddcast are strictly those of the individual and are not necessarily those of their employer. Special thanks to our patrons, Steve Buell, Steph and Aaron Percival, Darlene Mulcahy, Abe Greenspoon, Terry Kelly, Yvette Fung, Elizabeth Ellis, Sharon Pinney, Catherine Parker, Tanya Garcia, Justin Henry, Rachel Muston, John Price, Taryn Wasson, Greg White, Joy Muscovich, Jackie Tweedy, M.F. Burford, Barbara Dundas, Rod Gallant, Daphne Guerrero, Jennifer Harju, Anthony Jazz, Saren McDashin, Tarek Paracha, and George Wenzel. However you found us, please help us bring meaningful content to the public service. Become a subscriber, share the episodes, rate our content, and write and let us know what's on your mind. You can reach me at Todd at ToddLines.ca or start a conversation with fellow listeners worldwide on gccollab.ca. Toddcast is planned, written, and technically produced using free and open-source software. Canboard, DocuWiki, and Audacity, all running on Linux Mint, software that is free as in cost, but more importantly, free as in freedom. This episode's theme music was In a Moment by Lee Rosevere. Toddcast content is free to use and share under the Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike license because, like open source, open content, and open licensing makes the world a better place. I'm Todd Lyons. I'll see you online.